Hey everyone, welcome to Journey to the West. I'm Jay, and I'm joined here with Sen. Hi everyone, I'm Sen. And we also have a special guest with us, Maka. Hey, I'm Maka. Nice to join you, join, be with you guys. Sorry. So today we're going to talk about a very recent podcast that came out. And it's on the topic of racial bias or racial preference in dating. Now, this is a very loaded topic that we ourselves have been hesitant to cover. And we've been trying to figure out how to approach it in a way that does it justice, basically. Fortunately, Yowei Shaw of NPR's Invisibilia podcast decided to tackle this. And if you haven't heard it yet, the link will be in the description below for your convenience. We'd suggest that you listen to it before listening to our episode today because our discussion is basically a meta discussion about that podcast. And there's a lot to unpack. So this might run a bit long today. And as a basic summary, it's called A Very Offensive Mumcom. And I think aptly named because it frames the discussion through the lens of an Asian woman who goes by L. She notices that she has a preference for white men and as a response decides to run a two-year Tinder experiment to try to undo her biases. There's a lot to unpack here. Um, the reason that we brought Mecca on with us is because uh, she can kind of relate to being in that position and uh, have internalized racism. So it would be really nice to hear her thoughts on how Elle went about what she was doing and you know, her, offer her own experiences. Yeah, so I uh, have outed myself to kind of declaring that I had internalized racism or I still have it in some degree like I don't think it's one of those things that can be removed by recognizing it it's a process that someone undergoes to like decolonize your mind essentially um and it's like reworking your entire life frame so I'm 25 and it's like pretty much going through every moment of my life um from what I can remember and recognizing certain biases or preferences that I may have had that might have caused or reaffirmed my internalized racism and then like from there just recognizing the microaggressions that would reinforce my self-hate at the same time because I think self-hate and internalized racism kind of go hand in hand um, and because of them going hand in hand, like it causes a lot of like mental uh, depression that you can get uh, as well from from dealing with these two external factors. One being really internal, which is your self hate. So yeah, that's like one of the things that I recognize myself in having. And when hearing, 
NPR's Invisibilia podcast about this was really interesting because um, what Elle did with the dating stuff was like how I tried to combat it as well. Um, I've dated a white guy for like three years um, and we like at, I was just so done with it. And at the end of the relationship, I even told him like my next boyfriend's going to be Asian as like kind of like a fuck you to him, but also just like a fuck you to white men. Cause I recognized at the end of that relationship that there was nothing I could do to, to really like find a partner that's white, that would understand what being Asian was like. And I've mentioned this in an interview or at least in the article that I mentioned about being, having internalized racism with April Meg. Um, I did the whole thing with them and I spoke about that, like how white people just won't be able to get, understand our, our world. And one thing that Elle did with that experiment, I did that too, but in a way where I was only swiping to Asian people or South Asian people or just essentially people of color. What's also interesting too that I recognized was like she says she kept dating like black guys and like really trying to be with black men. And I even tried to do that once and that was really strange. But it was only like with one black person. And then I found out he was like cheating on his girlfriend uh, with me. And I was like, okay, that's over. But with that, it also kind of reminded me of like to all the boys I loved before which we like know has like very problematic uh storylines where they had that token black guy and then because they had that token black guy I was like wow did I just throw in a token in my life too so yeah that was really heartbreaking to hear I guess about yourself I I think it's really interesting that you know you decided as an antidote to this you would focus on all men of color and for her it was black guys but as it's as though the antithesis of whiteness for her is blackness and like asians are what like what are we uh should we explain a little bit like her little experiment else yeah as a like a brief uh reminder yeah uh, if you wanted to take it feel free so what l did was she had this kind of epiphany in short that she only dated white guys mostly although she did claim to have an attraction to asian guys she did admit that she only probably dated them for like you know one to three dates and never actually got into a serious relationship with them Mm -hmm. she questioned her preferences and decided to tell her friends about it and they all kind of made this kind of sister pact to go and not date white men anymore it was kind of bizarre that although they all kind of admitted that their their preferences had a lot of a bit of an insidious undertone. Like she L took it upon herself to take the initiative to only date 
not men of color. She specifically cited black and Latinx. So she kind of went on this for two years at least, just going on Tinder, swiping right, is it? I don't even use the app. Yeah, swiping right. Yeah, swiping right. And then, yeah, swiping left on all white guys, pretty much. And I think it was after two years she realized that she kind of fell into another trap, which was fetish, fetishizing black guys because she noticed that she was mostly uh, swiping right on black guys. And then she had to have this, oh, I need to re-examine my program. Like she kind of approached it in a really objectifying way to put it lightly i mean you can listen to podcasts and you'll Mm -hmm. um no the one thing that was interesting about the the way that she was doing that and like when i was doing that and for like the asian men was because like although i was starting to believe like not starting to believe but at least recognizing or noticing that there are attractive asian men out there like I couldn't, I, there was no access that I had for them. And like what she was doing is that she did have access, but she just refused to look like to recognize them until she like finished going through the the parade of like black and Latinx uh, people or Latin, Latino people. So it was weird for her to still kind of ignore it to some sense of like, she was just purposely ignoring Asian men until they were like, until she like exhausted everything, every other option. She didn't think she was excluding anybody because she did say, oh, I was taking gender studies class. And she, uh, when confronted when she was on Reddit, she's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm open to all races, but I guess I'm more attracted to white guys and Asians or whatever. So I feel like in a lot of people's minds, they aren't exclusive, but I feel like that's just, you're not really examining your racial preferences and you're not holding yourself accountable because most people will be like, I'm, I'm attracted to who I'm attracted to without, you know, self-reflection. I mean, everybody has bias. Like it's, it's impossible to not have something because we don't live in a vacuum. Like we live in a society, especially if you're living in the West, that is white hegemonic. It, it prioritizes white people and specifically white men in power. It's a racially stratified society. There's class issues, there's gender issues. There's all kinds of shit that we can't really like remove from the things that we do, the things that we believe in our daily lives. So to think that you can solve a problem that's, that actually runs a lot deeper than it seems, something so superficial as like a dating experiment really misses the whole point. The experiment, it seems like it, she, she did it to, to, like you said, kind of reaffirm her like not being racist but it didn't fundamentally question how she even came about to having racism like i think the way that podcast was trying to 
trying to frame it was like there's a history of emasculating of Asian men and then then as we're like on the other spectrum it's like internalized racism for Asian women too in this regard when we heard like C's story in there too like someone even pointed out to us or at least I read it somewhere when someone's commenting on it like it affected his life but for her it was an experiment and that was something that really resonated with me because it's like you don't realize how much it's affecting other people's lives and then what when you just harmless think it's harmless to say it's just a preference you're excluding and hurting a, a, another demographic of people that are supposed to be you know your brothers and your fathers and your grandparents Oh, it's a kind of dehumanization. I think it's it's interesting because as much as people say they're open to all races, it's very clear that it's hard for people to see people of color, other Asians, as just personalities, as individuals. And I think that when people just boil it down to it's just preference – like again, you're just absolving responsibility and you're saying that it's part of this kind of like abstract idea of attraction that you can't control it. It's this like, because like the way they were framing it in the podcast was that with the L, she felt her belief in like love and attraction was this kind of magnetic, um, all consuming. Um, sexual chemistry that they're supposed to have and like the first kiss is supposed to be some kind of explosive thing but and she would write everyone anyone off that didn't get to that um emotional high for her but even more than that like she would subconsciously exclude you know men of other races in favor of white men and i don't know it's kind of hard for me to like understand like what they were trying to get at because on one hand they're like oh it's it's a personal choice and then on the other hand they're like it's kind of racist like I felt like it didn't really try to address racial preferences as like a system of white supremacy or the fact that we're like like continuously bombarded by like white mass media trying to impose you know, white beauty ideals, but also the fact that with mass media, like we're always trying to humanize, you know, white people, white men. But again, like us as minorities, we kind of just are like a faceless horde in like the most crude sense. Yeah, it's just uh, the, the point about humanizing and dehumanizing. The experiment felt super dehumanizing for the men of color who she singled out to date because I'm not sure that she actually began to see them as individuals in the same way that she already saw white men as individuals. It was more of a, okay, if I expose myself to a person who looks this way enough times, then maybe I will be less racist in my choices, but that's not really how that worked. Um, the interesting thing about the science behind bias and behind preference is that, uh, well, one, 
we have confirmation that it's not an innate thing. Like people aren't born racist. This is something that you you learn. It's conditioning. And like we, again, we live in a society where we're inundated with all of these, uh, all this messaging that tells us that white is right and that white people are individuals and that everybody else is not. When you try to approach a problem that big from the angle of, okay, I just need to expose myself to more men of color and that's going to fix it. It's there's a limit to what you can do with that. Right. And that's why she eventually ended up giving herself a fetish for black men. (laughs) And when she realized that she was like, Oh shit. Um, But that's another interesting thing that while you can't necessarily unlearn biases that that have been conditioned you can learn new ones and in that sense you can kind of crowd out the other ones that are existing but that's still approaching it from a purely biological experiential level it's not accounting for the systemic problem and so the this choice this choice to you know not date white guys and specifically uh, date men of color. It has to be a political one, right? It can't just be about sex because it's not about sex, right? It's it's about power. It's about your position, your status in society. That's what racism does. It stratifies people by their value, by their race. And so, if you want to, yeah, like just to interrupt, but. I actually think it was really bizarre how she was trying to frame it around the sex because it was kind of mm. like giving credence to the biology of attraction for her as if her racial preferences were all biological, which is obviously wrong. Like she knows that that's not the case, but it was really weird that she would kind of go, oh, like it needs the sex wasn't right. The kiss just wasn't right. Like. Nothing really about how she emotionally connected with the individual, which, Mm. again, like, everyone knows that that whole experiment was objectification. I know. When you interact with people like people, you don't, you're not really thinking about the sex or, like, the, the physical chemistry that you have with another person. Like, even if you've spent, you know, more than a couple of years in a relationship with any person, whether that's like a friendship or a family member or significant other, you understand that it's not always going to be great, right? You know, people argue with each other and not everybody agrees on everything all of the time. And like some, sometimes it'll be easier to interact with each other and sometimes it'll be harder. And it takes work to actually sustain a relationship with another person as a person, from one person to another. Sorry, she was complaining on Reddit about how she like hated guys with white, uh, with yellow fever and um, Asian fetishes and stuff. And like, but then she kind of did the same thing to rebut her internalized bias and racism too. So when she did that, like just kept going with um, black men, for example, like she she just 
adopted a lot of the the rhetoric or the the talking points of white how white people see her so with what sen said with the using sex as a as a thing it like that's the no like she no one's telling her that she can't sleep with white guys the problem is is like moving beyond sex like you said mm-hmm. with the relationship right like she wasn't trying to think forward with that like sleep with whoever you want um but don't tr- like when when it becomes a relationship when it becomes more meaningful that's when the politicalness should even come in almost no well, well, it's the thing that like she was able to form meaningful relationships with white men previously, but for the longest time throughout her exper- her experiment, uh, even though she was going on dates and sometimes having sex with these men of color, she wasn't connecting with them at an intimate level, which to me is kind of the sign that you're not really treating them like people. And so this becomes a superficial, like, solution because it's all, like, I mean, even just trying to find anybody on these dating apps, it's pretty much superficial to begin with. Like, you're not even, like, you're, you're having a plethora of options at the, like, tip of your fingers, at your fingertips, judging people from how they look primarily to then what they write about in their bios. So that already was pretty, not necessarily inauthentic because there are people who like get married after meeting each other on Tinder or whatever. But nowadays Tinder is just a a hookup app and like you're going to want to hook up with someone who's physically attractive. And again, that goes back to like how we see these, the, the men or women that we choose to sleep with. I think that this could bring the conversation to something that they didn't really hit, in my opinion, which is, again, everything's framed as her preference, her idea of what attraction is or what love is in terms of, oh, mind-blowing first kiss. Oh, the sex just wasn't mind-blowing enough. Like, So I feel like as women, there needs to be some kind of accountability agency if we want feminism for us to actually move forward, like we've mentioned in podcasts before. And mm-hmm. I think this goes back to like what we've been talking about a lot, which is the personal is political. And for her, the like the idea of like racial preferences again was purely on a biological or a very superficial level of sociology, which is the dating game. But it should make us self-examine. Like, a partner shouldn't just be, like, I guess, compatible with us, like, in terms of personality, but also what we stand for as a person, like, what we stand for as people. Mm -hmm. Because... Like, again, like, I don't get people who just say, like, politics is irrelevant or their belief system is irrelevant when they're with somebody. Like, 
I just don't think like, for example, for me personally, like a white person would understand, like Marcus said, what it's like to be a minority or an Asian person, you know? And like you'd have to do an unsurmountable amount of emotional labor to like even get that person to open up to the conversation. Like you've read all those fucking think pieces Lord. of women trying to get their like white significant other to understand white supremacy and racism. It goes nowhere because of white fragility and they just feel attacked. So they're not even like in the space to engage. Yeah, because they were like, hey, I I picked you as a person, not an Asian woman who's political, you know? Like, you're just, like, a different, like, a different skin, like, in a game or something, you know? You're not, like, because all women are kind of the same in their little minds, but I don't know. Like, like I do remember growing up, and um, some people even ask me, like, oh, would you rather date a white guy or an Asian guy? Because those are the only two options. And I'm like, I I'm, I like Asian guys, you know? Because I, I had already gone through this, like, self-realization at that point. And they're like, well, you're racist. What? <laughs> if you wouldn't consider a white guy. I mean, does anyone want to take the floor with what the fucking professor said? Because that was fucking trash. <laughs> So the professor essentially said, like, uh, what was it? Uh, some like you'll to his uh, Latin Latina uh, student. Um, you just haven't found the right white guy or something like that. Yeah, because she said that she would not be comfortable being a white man. No, I think her exact words were like, "It's impossible for me to be with a white guy because he just won't understand what it's like." Like, impossible, and then he's like, impossible, you know? And then he went, never say never. <laughs> I know, like, fucking Justin Bieber, fuck. And then <laughs> he, he like, went to his colleague and, like, went, oh, I had a Latina student. She's like, she she doesn't want to be with a white guy. She said it was impossible. And they fucking sniggered in their own little fucking world going, ha-ha, the universe will send her this white fucking night to her or some shit like that. And I'm like, what the fuck is with this? Because... The problem with that, again, the framing of the whole podcast, where they're like, oh, if you're a white guy, it's not like the worst thing in the world, do you? Uh, When women confront society by saying, I don't want to date a white guy, they're like, you know, bombarded and dogpiled on, like, you're racist, reverse racism. I've had that happen before to me. Mm. Like some older Asian women question me, like I've just mentioned, and they're just like, why not? Why not? And it's, it's like, why are you trying to interrogate my fucking preferences like this is just kind of like a you know a weird reversal because they because the thing is they don't want accountability for their preferences but they're trying to make you accountable for not falling into white men as the epitome of attraction i guess Uh, yeah it's basically it makes it clear whose preferences are allowed to be interrogated and whose are not yeah, like I even had a um like this one racist friend that I had. Um he wanted to date me at the time and I was like, "No, thank you." I'm like that's this is when I was like breaking up with my ex and he was trying to like swoop in and I was like, "No." <laughs> I 
like fucking he, predatory as fuck. What yeah. The hell? And then he, like, I told him I'm just not interested in dating white, white guys anymore. And then when I called him out for doing something racist, he, like, threw that back into my face. And I was like, you just don't get it. And you, and, like, the fact that I'm calling you out for racism, you're trying your best to, like, say I'm racist as well for not wanting to date you. Okay. Um, and he kept like proceeding to send me like pictures of Asian women in media and being like, is this you? Um, and then like telling me how he wanted a small Asian girlfriend and stuff like that. And I was like, how can you not, how can you tell me that everything you say is not racist? Like, like, and you're criticizing me for not wanting to date white men. Like, do you not see how you don't even see me as an individual here by sending me all these pictures of Asian women Ew, and, asking them if, and then asking me if I'm them? Like, what? That's what? so fucking creepy, man. What do you mean? I like all Asian women. <laughs> like, that's what fucking, like, rapists say, you know? Fucking hell. I mean, it just... Like, these are the friends that I was around. So you can imagine how much, like, internalized racism that was, that I even had. And, like, to even think that Elle might have, like, be surrounded by Asian women, too, with this and, like, recognizing this, it's uh, kind of alarming to see that there's, like, a huge warm of, like, validation from, like, Asian women to other Asian women who don't criticize, you know, their dating choices. And that kind of makes sense, though, because you are in a sense who your friends are so you'll share a lot of the same beliefs and the same behaviors just by virtue of being in proximity to each other i think it's also girl code it's kind of an unspoken thing where your friend's dating a guy and you kind of don't want to criticize their partner or their choice especially if they seem like they're quite happy about it. Mm. But, yeah, there have been times where, like, again, in my head, I'm like, my friend's dating a weeaboo, what the fuck? Or he had a Thai ex-girlfriend who cheated on him and, oh, he has all this Pokemon shit around his fucking room. Like, like obviously alarm bells were in my head, but it's just not... He has the katana above his yeah. bed. <laughs> he went to Japan by himself while they were together, for example, and I'm like, that's a fucking oh. red flag, sex pat, what the fuck, you know? <laughs> It's just, but then, like, I never felt like I could confront her with that type of, like, what I was thinking, because I'm like, this doesn't seem right. There's something off, you know? And I think that, again, we don't hold ourselves accountable and we don't want to hold each other ac- accountable. Um, well, I'm, it sounds like I'm saying accountable. Accountable. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. I don't know because I feel like that type of like thing where you say I don't want to date white a person is always something like you're trying to confront is a confrontational statement it's not neutral to a lot of people Mm. like um I mean growing up I even had a mom who was like like you shouldn't date white guys because you know they're they don't they won't get us and like I didn't really understand at the time because I was a child but I think growing up like it helped me reinforce like this view of, you know, racism and white supremacy. But I can imagine like if you grow grew up in like a family or had friends that validated 
like yeah like a white preference as like not just a preference but as something you should aim mm-hmm. for like yeah date a white guy things will be better or like I know that's a thing in a mm-hmm. lot of families mm-hmm. so yeah like my <laughs> this was in 2018 like this was around Christmas I was visiting my father and like I haven't introduced him to my partner at the time uh who was Chinese and with Vietnam and Chinese relations going on, like he is like really anti-Chinese. Um, and when I was telling him that my boyfriend is Chinese, he was like, like the look that he gave, he was just like, oh shit. Um, but then uh, we got into arguments and stuff. And then at one moment he was like, it's better to date white. And I'm like, what? How are you telling me it's okay to date white people? Uh, when I've been like calling out all the racist shit that like, these white people around him have been doing and he just like ignored it but then like kept telling me it's better to date white and that was like incredibly shocking to me I just couldn't understand because of how much I've like tried to decolonize myself I'm still trying I'm still being pushed by my own father to date white yeah that's fucked up (laughs) and it also kind of makes you feel like you don't have the support like you, you feel like family should be there for you and and it kind of sucks that they're not in that moment i feel like it's almost like a societal expectation because it's such a cliche at this point for an asian woman to be with like a white guy it's kind of like its own like like self-fulfilling prophecy like a lot of people just reinforce it and like people who are more like younger impressionable women girls they just go with the grain like they don't question it i mean look at the uh there's this new york times i think article that did a feature on married couples and like the the cover page is a bunch of these couples in beds together and like there's one pairing that's like two Asian women, but there are the only other two Asian women on the cover are with white men. There are no Asian men there. So like that's just how much it's taken for granted that Asian men aren't even in the picture. And Asian women either I mean Asian women basically belong to white men if they're not just with each other. So it's like it's this very strange... This is like a promotional erasure. Like, not only is it happening in the media, but even, like, the Asian men around me, or at least my father, for example, is promoting this erasure, too. Mm. And, and, it, and it goes back to the podcast where, like, you had C's, uh like, experience with, like, seeing his own sister tell him or at least tell it indirectly to him, like how Asian men are just disgusting Um, because then it frames like how do other people see him? And then it, you know, perpetuates from there, like hating Asian men or finding Asian men gross. And then even wanting to kill them for being too patriarchal while also having the same stereotypes of them being subservient and dominant at the same time. 
I think it would have been really good because I feel like some people are going to like bring up the whole like, oh, he's just bitter because of his sister and then like allude to some kind of incest bullshit, which we know isn't the case. (laughs) But I think that they should have reinforced that. It had more to do with the fact that her statement was saying you're not worthy of love Mm -hmm. or like finding happiness in a relationship with anybody. Like I feel like that should have been emphasized because that that kind of, again, goes back into the dehumanization process. Like they did try and briefly explain like the history of like Asian Americans in terms of like how women were hypersexualized, men were systematically feminized but i felt like they should have focused more on i don't want to say victimhood but more so like how it really like again like marcus said like impacts people's lives and not just about l trying to like find self-realization or finding herself or you know like it's just the, the conversation seemed a bit juvenile in that sense yeah i think they were really being light-handed about it, especially since it was the first time that they're talking about this and they probably just want to be really generous. And there's a lot that can't be fit in there, but I'm really curious about the rest of C's interview because I can imagine that he probably said a hell of a lot more. And like, just imagine the, the like mental and emotional state of a person who feels so moved by like what they're experiencing, they're a lot nice that they decide to internalize racism to the point of becoming a white supremacist and like spouting scientific racism in the middle of class to anybody who would hear. Like, just imagine what it takes to get to that point and how horrifying an existence that that must be. So I listened to this podcast with my boyfriend also, and something that really stood out to him and that resonated with him a lot was how when C would just like talk to uh, girls that he was interested in, they would treat him with disdain. And that was, that was a perfect word because that's exactly how it feels. That's exactly what my boyfriend went through. He grew up in a uh, pretty much all white town and you know, bumfuck suburbs. And that was the response every time. It was like, how dare you even come up to me and approach me? Like, you're an Asian guy. It's not even, it's not even in the cards for you. It's not even an option. Yeah. Even for myself, like growing up in a white suburb, like I've always grown up around uh, white people and um to even like paint how like internalized racism that I had (laughs) my favorite movie growing up was Pocahontas like that's how bad it was um like there I have like the memorabilia of Pocahontas like I slept with the VHS like that's how bad it was that I had it and yeah it was really deep um and like to be raised in a white suburban area you also get that too with white men seeing you like I was one of the few Asian people there and you know I had to do a lot more to just fit in and 
to have try to find genuine relationships with people um and this also extends to friendships because it's like some of my friends would like I could always feel a difference when I was hanging out with all my friends like even one time I was on the bus with like one of my friends from Sweden and we were just talking and hanging out and we were heading back to my place and some guy on the bus turned around to us and said I like seeing this and I was like we were both confused at what was going on it was like this older dude who's um, like I ew. like seeing this and he was pointing what? out to us being like and like interracial friendships you know like he liked the fact that he saw like an Asian person with a white person being friends. It it was such a weird experience because no matter what, I was always othered, even in my own neighborhood, uh, Mm. even though that was a white neighborhood. Like I couldn't just hang out with my friend. I was hanging out with my white friend or she was accepting me as an Asian friend, you know, like what type of dynamic is that really painting in these types of neighborhoods? It, It really makes it feel like or sound like, you being Asian is something that needs to be overcome. Like it's some kind of disease that you have and good on this white person for seeing past your race and still choosing to be friends with you like a magnanimous person, which is really fucked up and still reinforces that social inequality where like white is put on pedestal and you are still seen as inferior. Yeah, exactly. Like, Oh my god, I could go on for ages talking about where I lived and how I grew up and stuff. Um, like it definitely just wasn't great. And like even though I felt like like I could feel them how much of a minority I was, I like still couldn't f- like have genuine relationships in the end. And I tried really hard to foster that. Um but yeah, it's it's not easy to like go around and think you're always the other, especially in white. Uh, sorry, it's not easy to to mm-hmm. accept being the other. So to sum up, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of things that we missed here today, but this is just the beginning of the conversation. And I think the positive of this podcast coming out and having this conversation come to the mainstream is that we don't have to feel like we need to walk on eggshells now, right? We now have the permission to talk about this and build on what's been put out there so that we can have better discussions and and not just talk about the thing, but actually push for solutions to this problem. And I, I think something that really helps to frame this is decolonization. That's a word that I think should have been brought up in this conversation that was not in the podcast, because you really can't expect to undo centuries of oppression with, you know, a very simple deciding to date more men of color, you know? You really need to understand the history that goes into this, the structures at play. And, and we talk about this a lot, about how you know, if we really want to move forward and we want to make things better for all of us, then we need to be in direct opposition 
to white supremacy and specifically the white patriarchy. So like if we're, if we're to move forward, we need to adopt an Asian feminism that prioritizes decolonization. And um, I think we're all still figuring out what that would look like. But if you want some foundational uh, context for that, there's this great paper that was written by Sunny Wuon on white sexual imperialism. We'll link that in the description too. And uh, we've also got some articles on pro-Asian voice. Gia's written quite a bit about examining racial bias in dating across sexualities for Asian men and women, which I think is also a valuable resource. But yeah, we definitely need to shift the focus to decolonization. Yeah, I just wanted to say too, like internalized racism is not something you just overcome. There's no deadline or even if you just put like like five to 10 years of your life into it, um, it doesn't mean that you have removed it successfully. Um, it's, it's continuous. And if anything, with that New York Times or New York Magazine picture, um, it still shows how much um, the reinforcement and, and fight for white male, Asian female relationships is adamant in society and to to recognize all your microaggressions is to reassess all your past interactions entirely and it's a lot of work it's not easy i mean the only thing i have to add to decolonizing your mind is i feel like we need to stop trying to think of ourselves like relative to white people all the time especially in terms of like relationships it's just like for me it's just I'm not going to date a white guy. They're not even an option. Goodbye. Like, I don't know. That's just how I see it. I mean, we still have to hold them accountable, but it's just we need to stop thinking about how we're the counterpart or mm-hmm. like in like, for for example, Elle, she, she saw black as the opposite of white. So we need to stop thinking like that. Also, stop giving white people passes, like way too many easy passes, because just because he doesn't like kick babies or like, (laughs) you know, watch child pornography doesn't mean that he's good enough to be sleeping with either. Like, I feel like with Elle, maybe she just kept giving passes to mediocre white men um, because like she could be uh, blinded by his whiteness i mean when i was going through that i would find like really mediocre below average looking white guys attractive and then it's like and when you remove that lens and you look back you're like the fuck why would i (laughs) (laughs) why would i find him attractive at all anyways yeah Uh, if you yeah if you met me earlier i would have like called you out like he looks fucking basic (laughs) because that's what i do that's why i have no friends (laughs) yeah i'm kind of at that point too (laughs) so yeah thank you thanks for coming on and sharing your experience no problem happy to be here thanks for letting me be on here and I guess that's the end of this pod. I mean, we're probably going to talk about related issues in the future. 
uh, just because there's just so much to talk about, and I'm sure it's going to be coming up, just because this conversation has now officially hit mainstream. Um, so stay tuned for that. And uh, I'm kind of looking forward to the response in terms of the long-term response over this, but we'll see. Yeah, I hope also people don't feel afraid anymore to talk about these issues. I mean, it's not easy to talk about them either. There's a lot of backlash even with like talking to your family about it. But like the eggshells are less something we should be worried about stepping on and realizing that we need to start like throwing the eggs. And then those are the eggshells that the white people should be stepping on. Uh, basically you gotta break a few eggs to make the omelet (laughs) yeah i'm not good at analogies (laughs) i think also some important thing to remember is that criticism is not automatically a negative thing like we're critical because we want things to be better right we're not just here to tear people down for the for shits right it's, be- it's for a purpose because we want to move forward in a direction that improves our situation as a community. And part of community support is not just, you know, being happy for each other, but it's also knowing when to say, hey, this isn't right and we need to do better. So that's that's what we're here and that's what we're doing and that's what we're about. And those of you who want to come on this journey with us, thanks for being here. And uh, we hope to see you in the future, too. So, yeah, that's the end of our pod. Thanks for listening. Uh, I'm Jay. If you need to find me, I'm on Twitter at J underscore M-A-R-A-A-N. And uh, I always forget to plug our official podcast Twitter. Which is JTTW Podcast, I believe, at Twitter. Sen, if you'd like to introduce your Twitter outro. Thanks for listening. I'm Sen. You can find me on Twitter at SEN underscore T I E N T. And then I don't know if, if Aka, if you wanted to plug your Twitter, just say bye. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I'm Maka. Thanks again for having me. You can find me on Twitter at underscore or at underscore fake MT. All right. Well, thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Bye.